Welcome to the No Nonsense Nutrition Podcast with Brett, Ed, Fran, Johnny, Matt and Paul, helping you to build more muscle and to lose weight with a hint of banter and a dash of humour. Enjoy this week's episode. <laughs> I, don't need, I don't need an intro now. Um, welcome to the No Nonsense Nutrition Podcast, episode number 158. Now, today I have uh, a special guest. It is only me on my, on my lonesome in terms of um, co-hosts they are often other things but today i have one well do i call you lou or lewis lou lou definitely. lou brearley <laughs> you said it wrong you said it right it's a joke it's a joke um for anyone listening before the, before we started recording uh lou asked me to just check if i could pronounce his, his surname which i did but i thought i'd just be yeah I, I thought i'd just be funny but Clearly not that funny. Everyone's probably laughing now. Ha ha ha! So funny. Yeah, it's not funny when it's been your name for the last twenty six years. <laughs> no, no. Do you get called Lou Briz or do you just get called? No, really, all the time. Brilliant. And I, I, do you know what? I actually get called Louise more often than not. Louise, especially yeah. If, Is if that it's if they haven't the... seen you, yeah, so it hasn't seen yeah, you. Yeah, if it's oh, well, and I've got long hair as well, right? Well, true. I was going to introduce say that yeah. we we've got we've got here we've got we've got Lou here who we bonded over great beards and long flowing locks. Now I realised yeah. there was something missing. So much in common. <laughs> Not so much the long flowing locks for my part. However, um, how, how so how long has it been taking you to grow your hair? That's the first question. How does it take you to grow your hair? Because as we're saying, your Skype uh, thumbnail or picture is still very short hair. Yeah, so that's that's twenty sixteen. That picture. I think so, four years. Uh, so yeah I grew a top knot first so I shaved the sides and just had it long on top and that got down to like I got quite long actually and then I was on holiday in Bali and getting in and out of the sea and in and out of the pool and shit it's like long hair top knot was just not digging it for me so I shaved it all off and then I instantly regretted it because my hair short is like really curly so it's like I saw that mini, mini afro <laughs> yeah so I just saw yeah, that fly my, off really curly <laughs> such a nightmare to keep short so from may it was like middle of may 2018 to now is the actual growth and it goes down to the middle of my back now so it's like two years of not cutting it wow um but i wore a hat for 18 months because it wasn't long enough to tie up in a bun uh it's only been really the last probably six months that i've actually been able to wear it without a hat wow. which is quite nice not have to wear a hat <laughs> i am um... I don't know whether I'm jealous or I want to make fun of you, if I'm honest. I can't, I can't decide. <laughs> no, I'm joking. To be honest, it's really weird because like more, more people appreciate it than I always thought. Oh, Mum and long hair is a bit, a bit weird, isn't it? Nah, not but more days. people appreciate it than, than, than mock it. Because when I, when I kind of started growing it, the funny thing was like when I said I was growing my hair, everyone was like, you're going to look stupid with long hair. I'm like, well, I'm not really because it's, I'm not just going to show up tomorrow with, 14 extra inches of length i bet you i mean you did. but <laughs> it's like a gradual process isn't it it's like i mean it's like weight loss so like you, or you you know you don't just get fat overnight it takes a long long time so it's um it, it is yeah, it was such a weird, like thing that people were like no you're not going to suit long hair but now that i've got long hair so many people are like wow you actually really suit like a man bun and you really suit that i don't know if it's being nice but no i i i would say obviously <clears> i don't i don't know you any different so I don't know what yeah. other than the thumbnail I've just seen, um, which yeah. to be fair, you look mighty fine anyway, so don't worry. Um, I would say it suits you, but and I'm not just going to be nice. It's just maybe it's because I don't know any different. I don't know, but 
Yeah, and I think the other thing is, is I don't give a fuck if it doesn't suit me. I like it, and that's all that really matters. Um, <laughs> yeah. And that's, do you know what? It's funny because I posted a few things on my IG stories sometimes, and I get a few messages like, oh, you need to cut that hair on your beard now. And I'm like, you probably just need to stop following me because yeah. I think you're a twat. I can I can feel but that. I'm swearing aloud because it's yeah, going yeah, yeah. to. The more, to be honest, I think the more swearing, the better, as long as there's obviously some comedy value, unless you want to just call me and see you next Tuesday, which regularly happens. Yeah. So. I mean, yeah, and then just log off. <laughs> <laughs> I, no, no, I can feel that. Um, and I'll be honest, I think it's a good way to be because I do. I certainly think from a social media perspective, you have to be yourself because if you try to be someone else and you try and people please, you, it just comes across as either ingenuine or you just don't get the right audience following you anyway and they'll find out eventually. So yeah, I, um, totally. I will say that's exactly how you should be, I think, as well. Um, about, obviously, like, the hair and the analogy to weight loss. I like that because I do think there's in weight loss, there's always that period in the middle where you kind of, you know, you're flat, you're not lean, you look a bit shit. And I guess the same with long hair. You have that period where you have to wear oh, yeah, 18 months. It's a great yeah. analogy. Yeah. Well, well I, I went to New Zealand <laughs> last January and I looked back at all my pictures and I've got a hat on backwards because that's the only way that I could wear my hair without it looking a mess. Um, I just think, wow, it's so annoying. But now I look at my hair, I'm like, oh, I can wear it however I want now. And I quite like the way that it looks. So it's like you have to just kind of just persist and get on with it. And, and you know that it's not always going to be smooth sailing. And at the end, it will be worth it. You're um, you're having a, a long hair conversation with a bald man, which is... I Do you know what? It's the first time, I'll be honest. This first time with a bald man or just in general? <laughs> just just with a bald man. <laughs> I say, I don't think the irony's lost probably on our audience. So. <laughs> it's a good job they can't see us. That's the main thing. <laughs> yeah, well, they know what I look like, so they yeah. know I'm bald. Hey-ho. Maybe I should maybe I should just put a picture on my IG of my hair actually down rather than up, and then it will be like a really good comparison of the yeah. two. Yeah, well, I would say we're, we're, obviously we've both got beards and we've both got long flowing locks, as I said. So yeah, I'm and we're both incredibly good looking, which, you know, <laughs> Is a burden that not many can carry. Well, my wife wouldn't say that. I don't think not. Well, she <laughs> not to me anyway. She might say it to other people, but she certainly wouldn't say it to me. But well, that's that's hey-ho. that's the sign of a good wife, isn't it? Don't build you up too much. I I thought the sign of a good wife was someone that did the washing up, but she doesn't. Oh, so well, I mean, this is a different conversation. I'm not willing to go down because I don't I'm know only, your wife. I'm only joking. <laughs> I'm only joking. I'll be honest. I don't want to come across a misogynist on this podcast, even though I have done many times, but. They know. I mean, it's only it's only jokes. Um, it's probably not the, really the right climate to do it now with with many kind of well with what's going, going on. on you probably, yeah, it's uh, it's more brave than ever, isn't it? It wouldn't be the first time. So, and it won't. <laughs> it certainly won't be the last. So, um, let's get on to a bit about you for for people that don't know Lou. Let me yep. know what you want people to know. How you got in the industry, that type of stuff as well. Because you used to own a gym, right? You said yeah. So not, uh, don't don't have to start there, but. Yeah, no, it's a bit of a whirlwind, really. Uh, I started lifting weights at 16. Very quickly got addicted to... Well, not addicted, that's the wrong word. Very quickly got into the, the way that things worked and found a good training partner. Within, I think, 12 to 18 months, I'd competed as a natural bodybuilder, as a teenager, which was pretty cool. Mm. Then that then just kind of spiraled into a couple of years of competing. Once I'd finished natural bodybuilding, I went into powerlifting, kind of like a natural transition. And... Which then just became okay. Well, I could probably start to make money from doing something that I enjoy, which was then kind of like going down the the instructor qualifications and the PT qualifications. Um, which then, yeah, I kind of realised quite quickly that it was fun. I enjoyed it, uh, but started doing <clears throat> too much PT. So I was doing like ten 
10 hours a day of PT and it was just like this this is just it's just not as fun as what I thought it would be you know 10 hours of coaching in one day is, is pretty brutal uh, and then it became a how can I help more people in less time because at the end of the day I was doing 10 hours of coaching but I was only helping 10 people so it was like um then like uh like fitness camps Are you familiar with Paul Mort yeah yeah so it started like a uh like a fitness camp through one of Paul Mort's products <clears throat> launched it it was super successful, super awesome, kicked off really, really well. And within nine months, I opened my own gym. Uh, I didn't really plan on opening a gym, but it kind of went from uh, 16 mats and a whiteboard in a field with like 56 quid to my name to 55 paying clients in nine months. And it was wow. like, oh, shit. Mm. Um, but then it just it just got to a point where my audience back then was women, was primarily women, you know, 25 to 40, the kind of typical like weight loss niche and there was no environment around here that made those people feel comfortable so in order to do that i, I knew that i was going to have to create a space myself to make that possible um so yeah we just went about opening a facility then obviously then it became as a business owner and a gym owner and things changed a little bit um opened a second facility like a bigger facility so like we called it 2.0 we, we got we didn't open two gyms but we, we opened and expanded uh changed our model slightly went to small group pt and then yeah it was it was awesome it was really cool but i just got fed up waking up at 5 a.m every morning and going to bed at half 10 at night every day so i was sitting on a beach in bali in 2018 said to my girlfriend at the time she said i'm gonna sell the gym which was like what <laughs> so i'm gonna sell the gym that was in may and i handed the keys over in november and it was sold and i've I've been away from it ever since. <clears throat> and then, so yeah, so essentially I've been a coach for six and a half years, coming on seven years now, uh, gym owner for five. And I've been personally lifting for 10 years now, which is mental because I'm still tiny and got no gains, which is really sad. <laughs> I, I think there's, there's, there's many people, including me, can relate. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know when, when someone asks how long I've been lifting, I say 10 years, it makes me feel sick. I'm like, that, that like Has it really I, been that long <laughs> yeah obviously we there's something that we've reread a lot on this podcast and i think within the fitness industry those that are kind of evidence-based in natty dare i say it, um <laughs> something that we're all aware of, of the 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 kind of the expectations and yeah basically the expectation i guess it's something we're going to talk about today from a dieting perspective rather than muscle gain but kind of when you get into weightlifting the expectations of what you can realistically achieve compared to what the kind of layman gen pop might expect are just whole worlds apart you know i think if there's oh, only yeah, three, totally. three, three or four episodes uh me and 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 um one of the other guys ed we were chatting about uh mr olympias and how essentially many general pops seem to think that when they look at the the types of people on the olympia stage um that you can kind of just achieve with a few years of going to the gym it's like yeah, drinking your protein shakes at the right times. Yeah. That's what makes the difference. But it, do you know what's really crazy is when I, when I was competing at 18, I, I look back at some of my posts and it makes me absolutely cringe. I genuinely wanted to be that level of bodybuilder and you know I was willing, willing to do everything it took. And then when I found out they took steroids, I was like, huh? Mm. What, what do you mean? Yeah. I, don't, I don't get it. But I was, I was still willing to go down that route. Thankfully, I never did. But in my head, b- before knowing that they took steroids, it was like, okay, that's easily achievable. You know, these guys are 30 to 35. If I you know, train for the next 10 years, I'm going to be 275 pounds, 7% body fat and jacked out my head. And the reality is I'm 195 pounds with 
more body fat than I can imagine. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Actually, that's a lie. I'm fairly lean at the moment, which is something that we can probably go into. Yeah, for sure. So, um, I think there's no better place than Bali to probably make that type of decision to say, yeah, I'm going to change my life a little bit. It's, I realise it's the most cliche like story in the world. You're, you're... Um, I didn't actually take my laptop and work in Bali, so that's fine. <laughs> uh, yeah, I was going to say that might have been... No, I'm joking. I was also about to say, you're speaking to a dude who got engaged in Paris, so... Oh, okay. But but, but <laughs> no, not the Eiffel Tower, so, so no. it wasn't overly cliche. Cliches is fine. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so um, you get back from Bali. Obviously, you sort the gym out. You're still there. Are you? Yeah. You're still there, mate. Are you jumping around? Yeah, I'm here now. Repeat yeah. that again. Sorry. Yeah. I say, so you got back from Bali, and right, uh, you got back from Bali. You obviously sell the gym, hand the keys over. Um, you went travelling? Yeah, spent 2019 traveling. So I think, so So just to rewind a little bit, the gym was doing really, really well. Um, and if the people that are listening to this that have come from me and do know me will agree that I'm like super spontaneous, super impulsive, always up for new things. <clears throat> and it just got to a point where it was steady growth. It was happy. But there was just no new challenge. You know what I mean? There was just no, no new stimulation, which... It's, it happens and if I look back I kind of think well that's part of the game you know you just kind of just trickle on you carry on carry on going as it is um, but Bali was the first time in, in my whole life really that I'd taken more than a week off so in, in the process of going to the gym I'd, I'd only maybe taken four days off at a time in the whole process of the five or six years so Bali was the first time that I took 18 days off and left the gym in other hands and I think that was something that probably was a catalyst as well because I realised that the gym wasn't about me anymore. The gym could still run itself without me there. Whereas for so long, the gym was me and, you know, the fitness academy was Lou Briley. And then in Bali, it made me realize that actually, okay, this place can still run. It still self-supports. You know, there's two coaches there that are running it just as well as I can. So maybe it is time that I step away. Mm. <clears throat> um, so yeah, that happened. And then, yeah, we kind of just then snowboarded the, the, the whole let's go traveling in 2019. Thankfully we went traveling in 2019 and not 2020 because it obviously wouldn't have happened if it was mm -hmm. this year. I'm very, very thankful for. So we started, sold the gym in, in November. My last day was the 30th of November. Uh, so took all of December off and I literally spent most of it sitting in my pants, eating dairy milk medley bars and drinking Coke Zero. And it was, it was marvelous. I'm playing Fortnite. So it was, it was just a great month. Um, and then we started in New Zealand. So January was, we flew to New Zealand. Spent a month in New Zealand, which was mega cool. Nice Told me to carry on. With the no, carry, carry on, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, and then we came home, uh, and then my girlfriend at the time was due a sabbatical from work, so I think she left in April. So we had a couple of months at home, not really doing much. We bought a motorhome. We then spent May through till the end of July traveling Europe in a motorhome. So we went through the Netherlands into Germany into Czech Republic. Denmark, Norway, Sweden, kind of just spent a shitload of time in the Arctic Circle and stuff. It was it was super super cool. Um, and then in August on my twenty, what am I now? Twenty six. On my twenty sixth birthday, we flew to New York City, and then we cycled from New York City to Seattle, uh, which took like nine weeks. Cycled across America, did a few bits in America, and then came home in November. Loads of personal shit happened, and loads of stuff went on. Um, and then I started started the new year this year. Wow, New Year this year is June now. That's mad, isn't it? Mm. I flew to South Africa solo and spent three months in South Africa. 
and then came home with COVID-19. Wow, that's it's some... been an eventful like uh, 18 months. Yeah, I think the word you used was whirlwind. I could say it's definitely quite some whirlwind. Um, <laughs> before we move on to what we're going to talk about today, yep. best place for food you went? Best place for food? Mm. If you're expecting me to say America, I'm not going to say it because no, America is shit. I'm not. Like, the variety in America is great, but it's all the same. It's like peanut butter and jam and shit, jelly and stuff. Um, best place of food? Um, I would probably have to say South Africa, mainly because it's cheap. We, we had, a, had a, a springbok pizza one night, and no kidding. It must have been like a, like a 22, 24-inch pizza mm-hmm. and like actual strips of like – Oh, it's just and it was like seven pound <laughs> so they do incredible burgers they also do what's your opinion on they do banana and bacon pizza in south africa that's uh, like quite mainstream thing sweet and savory is my thing yeah so i would be all over that i there aren't many sweet and savory foods what i i wouldn't like i mean this is quite cliche and we've obviously said cliche enough times already but kind of your maple bacon style pancakes and you know i yeah. I'm, I'm not adverse to uh any form of fruit jam on cheese on toast, um, which t- to be fair to, is is no different than having chutney on a cheese board as far as I'm concerned. Um, so yeah, anything sweet and savory, I would be all over that. Yeah, it was okay. It was it was different. They do it. They do the, the place that I was I was staying in did a around the corner did a chicken and mayo pizza. Was it chicken? Chicken mayonnaise? I can't remember what it was, but it was I had time it every time because it was just delightful. But yeah, I would probably say South Africa. Um, mainly because of cost um, but also when we were in the motorhome in, in, in Europe we cooked everything ourselves we didn't go out to eat so I couldn't really say although we did have um, we've seen that you've probably seen them on IG and stuff the, the chimney cakes from Czech Republic uh, oh like, Rom- like Romania as well is it Romanian Are they... yeah oh, yeah I think yeah. they're from, I think they're originally Romanian like yeah. big massive chimney cake yeah, and then, yeah. like stuff of ice cream and stuff they were like super fucking tasty yeah we've actually got uh, on so I live in Norwich, and in Norwich we've got quite a famous kind of market, I suppose. It's quite not. It's it's a. It's actually you know it sounds worse than it is, but it's actually quite a nice upmarket market now. Um, but there is a load of cool street food vendors on there, um, and one is I think it's actually called Chimneys, and um, it's like a Romanian cake place like that. It's like it's so good, so so good. So um, I was going to say yeah, I'm, into, I'm into mostly pastry stuff. That's that's always my go-to. Yeah, well, who doesn't like pastry? Let's be honest. Yeah, um, we've got a. Uh, one of our listeners, Josh Smith, he's in, he's in South Africa and he moans at me a lot to say that he cannot get the amazing Eat Lean Cheese in South Africa. So um, he'll be, he'll be disappointed. <laughs> Next time I come over, I'll bring him some. Yeah, so he's, he's actually said to me before, can I ship him some over and he would pay for it or can he speak? Can I speak to Eat Lean and get them to do something about bringing it out over there because he, he said he can't get anything like it over there. No, you can't. You're right. And to be fair, I don't know whether they'd eat it over there. I don't know. They're, they're very, very meat-based over yeah. there. I was going to say things like your your springbok or um, yeah. those types of wild or we, they not to them, but obviously we consider them these kind of wild exotic meats. Yeah, some of the some of the tastiest food ever. I'm trying to think what their what their sausage is called over there. They do like a massive sausage. Um, oh yes, I do know what you call butterwurst. Yes, butterwurst. Yeah. They're super tasty, like super like high high quality meat, 
high percentage of meat as well so it's like really rich really nice yeah we've got a south african another street south african uh, street food vendor locally here called the durban grill and they do they do that sausage with and then they do obviously different types of burgers and things like that yeah so, fantastic I could talk about food all day. Into it. I do yeah me too i'm hungry now though i'm on um, locales as well so you need to stop talking about food really. yeah so obviously what what i thought would be cool to go through today well actually i should say what you thought would be cool to go through but it's kind of led into a slightly wider piece i think we could chat about um so yeah. you're well we're both currently going through a dieting phase but obviously you've you've started yours two weeks ago something like that, is it yeah so i actually started dieting in january okay um then I had like an unplanned diet break. It wasn't really necessarily a diet break. It was just because of lockdown and various things that had gone on. <clears throat> but when I finished traveling in November, I was like 220 pounds. Mm-hmm. And kind of since selling the gym, I didn't train at all last year. I think I maybe trained like three or four times, apart from cycling across America, which is a bit different because you still consume 9,000 calories on your daily kind of on your daily intake. Um, but yeah, I came back pretty fat from america 220 pounds worst shape i've ever been in probably the least amount of muscle i've ever had um and just not feeling it i think when i sold the gym it was kind of a big middle finger up to the fitness industry mm-hmm. uh various reasons had gone on and various things had happened <clears throat> um, but i just kind of fell out of love with it so from january the first it's like you know what i am not me when i'm not in shape when i'm not you know i spent the last 10 years in relatively good shape so i was like right big changes to make but not, I say big changes to make. I just trapped my cars and did 10,000 steps originally, and that, that was enough to kind of to drop some weight off me. But, yeah, so I started dieting in January. I was about 215, 218, 220. I don't really know because it's a bit of a fat twat, so I didn't get on the scales because I just knew the number would be higher than what I wanted it to be. Yeah. Um, so I typically avoided the scales for that reason. Um, so throughout Africa, I started training again, um, started really watching what I was eating, tracking calories, Um and then when I came back, I think probably around middle of April till till June the first was was like a six week diet break of kind of just a little bit more relaxed. I was in good shape now, so I could probably afford to eat a few more cows and and, and get away with it. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, started a thirty day thirty day mini cut. It's probably going to end up being a forty two or fifty or sixty day mini cut. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, really enjoying it. Actually, I feel really focused, really on it. Um, and just feel, just feel accountable. I think starting back up on IG and putting out content on IG and everything for the first time in a long, a long time has really helped increase that accountability, which in turn makes it more of an enjoyable process. Yeah. So I just want to go back to, uh, I suppose, let's just start with well, a couple of things. One, I just want to touch on the point around you avoid the scales. Um, yeah. I think that's worth highlighting on bringing to the to the fore for people listening that it's quite common for people to do that um like mm-hmm. you said i think did you use the word something like i was a bit of a fat twat and didn't want to see what the number was <laughs> something like that quote. yeah 100%, that absolutely quote? <laughs> yeah absolutely. that's a direct that's a direct quote <laughs> i'm I, happy to stand by that i think <laughs> i mean the thing is that i've seen it with probably not myself but with clients especially where they've had bad days or you know what they would call bad days and i said it in bad days because obviously in air quotes um where they avoid the scales because they're, they they don't want to see that that number and obviously avoiding it can often mean that then kind of almost perpetuates because you know you avoid it and then the next thing you know you're kind of not tracking what you're eating and then you've got to avoid the scales again it's a bit of a vicious circle so I, I thought it was worthwhile just bring the the fact that you said that and that is probably useful for people to hear that even people that know what they're doing and within the industry still have those same thoughts and feelings compared to you know like your, your general population that are you know looking maybe for the first time or maybe not the first time to start a diet but you know 
Um, so yeah, I thought it was worth that. But I also want to just go back and just ask about, okay, so you mentioned around, you actually didn't make that many wholesale changes to start with. So do you want to kind of explain why you did that and then kind of what that led to in terms of your next steps? Because obviously you couldn't just, well, I say you can, you, you can, but what did you do more in terms of progressing that over over a longer period? So from, from just tracking and calories? Yeah, I think... I think one of my biggest downfalls is that I consistently and always compare myself to what I've been. So I'm someone that's ran, I've ran an ultra marathon, obviously cycled across America. I've competed in bodybuilding shows. I've competed as a natural powerlifter. So compared to the average person, if that's quote unquote, um, I've achieved quite a lot physically with my body. So I'm always someone that always compares myself to that. And I was sick of doing that because it it leads to not taking any action whatsoever. Mm. Um, And what I realized when I speak more about this on social media, so many people do this. So many people are like, you know, when I was younger, I used to be able to run three times a week and do X, Y, and Z. And you used to to play football competitively and constantly comparing yourself to the previous year is just a surefire way not to take any action whatsoever. So I made a conscious effort in January to, you know, I'm 26 now. I don't own a gym. I'm a different person. My identity has changed, like focus on just building habits. So for me, it was like, I don't give a shit what I can lift anymore. I couldn't tell you what my max deadlift is. I couldn't give a shit what my max squat is. Whereas I could tell you like on, on December the 27th in 2016, I squatted 215 on like June the 23rd i think it was like 2015 i deadlifted 250 like i know all those weird things because that's what my goal and my focus was um whereas now it's just about just training and just ticking off numbers like i'm on session my next session is 98 for the year so the 99 workouts when i work out tomorrow for the year and that's what i wanted it to be more of was just rebuilding the behaviors that actually lead to the result rather than getting caught up in what that session is mm-hmm. and what that entails and what the numbers are. So yeah, so January, 10,000 steps is a minimum. It was tracking my cows again because I think touching back on something that we've just spoken about, even people in the industry and even people like me and you can still massively misreport their intake when they're not tracking. And when I look back on my intake, it's like, holy shit, like I was probably doing like 800 to 1,000 cows without really knowing about it. Mm-hmm. Um and so tracking was just a way to pull it back in, um, and then it was just it was just building streaks, you know. It was just it was going from from seven day streaks to fourteen day streaks to thirty day streaks to sixty day streaks, and it was just building that. Um, I actually, for the first time ever, started training six days a week, purely because I was so scared of DOMS. So I like I just did like thirty minute sessions, just higher frequency sessions, very low intensity, very low volume, um, and just rebuilt that kind of. I guess that stimulus put that stimulus back in because I knew that first couple of weeks was just going to be horrendous if I just jumped into what I thought that I should be doing. Instead, I just like, okay, I'm going to go low volume. I'm going to go low intensity. I'm just going to rebuild it again. And I sometimes just doing a couple of sets on things. And, and in fact, if anything, it, it really made me fall in love with it and enjoy it again. Mm-hmm. Because I was enjoying lifting rather than, you know, I wasn't going into a session thinking, oh, fuck, this is going to be, it's going to be sore for the next few days. I was going in thinking, oh, I'm going to feel great now for the next, you know, 48 hours because I'm going to have a mild pump, going to feel good, going to have more energy. And it, it, it really helped kickstart that whole thing. Whereas in the past, I think I've jumped back in at like, yeah, I'm going to do five sets of five on deadlift and then I'm going to do X, Y, and Z. And it's like, slow down. You're a fat 220 pounds guy now. You need to chill out a little bit, you know, 21 year old, want to be athlete anymore 
Yeah. Yeah, I I mean I the 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 themes that I'm getting are very much around kind of process oriented stuff rather than the, the kind of goal oriented things and just almost what you do like the things you're doing to yourself and like what you're doing to enjoy, make sure you enjoy and stuff you're enjoying the process you're enjoying those behaviors <coughs> which inevitably leads to longer term behavior change compared to someone that is just focusing on i just want to lose some weight and i'll do it some way and if i get there brilliant and inevitably either people fail or they get there and then reverse back because they never really learned what those behaviors were um so like how suppose how 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 do you do that for you or how or how do you do that for clients so how do you get them to think that way because sometimes it's a bit easy to say focus on the process don't focus on the on the goal but obviously that's not something that i don't well, my opinion anyway in terms of my experience is not something that you can just get someone to think or you can't just change your own mindset to be like that how have you kind of managed it it's a good question actually and it's not something that i've really thought about or it's not something that i actively do mm. um whether it's the way that I give clients feedback in the sense of like, you know, if they haven't made progress, it's, it's dissecting the week and being like, yeah, but you know, you've done, you've done X, you've done Y, you've done Z and you've done these things consistently. Let's build upon that and let's not lose that, you know, cause most, I, well, all my clients really do, do, do follow the process and, you know, some weeks they're not going to get a result. And I think it's educating behind that. And it's educating that like, you know, you might get a few weeks that you don't make any visible changes. You know, the scale might not change that much. But then all of a sudden, uh, one of my one of my favorite pictures ever, and it's like a really a really easy simple picture is like two people digging, and if you, I don't know if you've seen it, and yeah, what yeah. one one gives up and he's like this far away from the the goal, and the other one carries on mm-hmm. digging and finally gets the goal. I think this it's so true, but yeah, I think maybe it's just the way that I approach some sort of feedback. I don't think I actively tell people about the process. Um, which is yeah, probably something I need to reassess and, and, and look at as to how I can help. No, I, I think, I mean, I, didn't, I asked the question because I think it is so important. Um, but I don't, I mean, I'm not expecting any type of magic bullet or answer because I don't think there is one. I think behavior change mm-hmm. stuff, um, as little as I know about it, it's obviously a, a, a long working process and a journey. And if I think about my own experience and my experience with clients, really, personally, I think like I, a bit like what you've said, I don't, I, there was no point in my mind where I suddenly went, I've I've worked out. I've realised that I need to stop worrying about losing, you know, the the this goal of weight loss, say, or, or you know, or whatever that goal is. And I need to start thinking about what I, is it I need to do to get there. Uh, but I think I just started doing that, and as in, I think I just over time, just gradually, one day, suddenly realised, oh, I've just started not worrying about this weight loss goal or this kind of muscle gain goal, whatever phase I'm in at that current moment. And I think that probably has come, if I'm being brutally honest probably because my like in in i was gonna say failure in air quotes because a bit like we were talking about i think it was before we started recording talking about mr olympia and how it might even been after i i I, (laughs) either either way uh it's it's a bit like obviously realizing that you're never going to be ronnie coleman it's like mm, once you realize once you you fail in your mind i.e you realize you're never going to be ronnie coleman you probably do start to think, well, I better start liking, I better start enjoying what I'm doing. If not, I'm just not going to do it. So yeah, totally. I think, I think for me, one of the biggest, that. the biggest mental changing points this year was like, okay, so last year I did nothing and I look like this. If this year I can do a hundred, uh, two hundred, two hundred was my goal. If I could do two hundred suboptimal workouts, that is going to dramatically change the way I look. Mm-hmm. 
so for me i started to look at the bigger and longer term pictures which is not really something that i've ever done but just focusing on well i know that something will change if i do it in enough volume mm-hmm. so if i do 10,000 steps for enough days and i track my calories for enough days something will change whether it's dramatic or not over a long period of time it will it will happen because i think when you're evidence-based like we are you know that those things i mean it's easy for us because we're coaches we know that those things will change it's just sticking through it mm-hmm. and, it, and I, I think in my head it was like right okay if i just stick with this i'm going to trust the process and if at the end of the day if i did if i did a whole year and did 200, work, 200 workouts and didn't change my body shape it's only a year like, it's not actually that big in the grand scheme of things mm-hmm. Um, I think there's probably other positive benefits that will happen. Yeah, no, I I definitely think that's also an important message to realize like it's only a year. But I also think people need to realize that it might take a year as well. 100%. One of my my favorite quotes ever is people overestimate what they can do in like seven to 30 days, but massively underestimate what they can do in an entire year. I think that's when you have that mindset of like, you, if you give yourself 12 months and you slowly work away at a goal over those 12 months, like I look back at, at you know, building the gym, like, it, yeah, it took nine months. I went from nothing to a gym, but it wasn't, this didn't come out of nowhere. It was, it was daily processes every single day of, of putting in the work that was necessary in order to grow the business, to get it to a point where it required another step. Mm-hmm. And it's exactly the same with your physique as well. <clears throat> yeah, no, for sure. I think, so just, so just I want to relate it back to you then to now. So obviously you started at two twenty. When did you start your mini cut on? What was it, what was your body weight when you started your your mini cut? Uh, one ninety six point something. Okay, and are you were you aiming for a time in terms of just you know how much weight can I chip off in that time, or were you aiming for kind of any specific ballparks of where you thought your your weight might land? So well, I actually launched a thirty day program with lockdown going on and stuff um i took a new intake of clients on the on the first of june and started them all on a 30 day so it was like okay this is perfect timing i've got a few other people doing it at the same time we can roll through it together um and what i've actually found is something that i've always been reluctant to do is share my own stuff because i'm always about other people i want to help other people show the case showcase other people's stuff but actually from the feedback i've got on my instagram last couple of weeks like it's actually really helping people show my own journey whether that's because people can see you know, transparently what actually happens. You know, I eat bacon, egg and sandwiches in the morning. I eat five baby bars a day and I'm probably the least foodie person ever, but I can still hit what I need to hit and do what I need to do to make progress. Um, So I think I haven't been shredded for a long time. Maybe 2017 when I was running ultras was probably the last time I was shredded. I would like to get shredded again, but I'm not sure whether... I've got the mental capacity to stick through it anymore. Um, is is that from mainly because I know I don't have to? <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say is, is is that is that from kind of recent experience to obviously having a kind of a, a longer diet, obviously a bit bit of a break, and now kind of mini cut. Are you feeling like you're in a position where you, you you probably can't carry it on too much longer, or is that kind of just general life? As in, I think that's just general life and just being older now. I think when I was younger, dieting was so much more easy. Mm. But, to be, but to be fair you know dieting is a piece of piss if i i mean i'm a i'm not i am an advocate of intermittent fasting it's not something that i I preach but i personally do it because it means i can have more calories in an evening um 
And if I fast most mornings, then dieting is a piece of piss for me because it's so hard to consume 2,200 calories from 12 p.m. till 10 p.m. Mm-hmm. But it's not. But in a way, if you spread it out and you eat fairly, you know, thought out meals, then it, it, it can be it can be quite a good volume of food. Yeah. Um, I think I don't actually know. I would like to get really lean. So I'm 193 at the moment. So I lost three pounds in two weeks, which is OK. I was expecting a little bit more, but part of the process will roll with it. Um, I will. I would like to get down to low 180s, I think. Um, but just depending on when, <laughs> when that is and how long that takes, yeah. we'll, we'll, we'll stop at, um, we'll stop at 188, 180, 187, 188, assess it, see what I look like. If I look close to being as lean as I visually want to be in my head, then I'll carry on. If not, I'll just call it a day and, and, and put a bit of a recomp in and, and go, go the opposite way and try and get back up to 210, something like that. Yeah. Okay. That, that's, it's an interesting question to ask, I think, because, Certainly, if I think back again to my current dieting stakes, and I was originally dieting from the start of this year, from I did, you, you probably don't know this, but I did an experiment at the back end of last year where I did almost a bit like an intuitive eating approach without following intuitive eating principles. So, like when I say intuitive eating, I don't mean the clinical kind of definition by Evelyn. I have to get her surname, but basically, the, the the true definition of intuitive eating. I don't follow those the ten steps or principles of listening to hunger and stuff. My idea was actually just kind of a mislabeled binge, almost. <laughs> Probably the way I do it. But I was interested to basically see how much weight I would put on, allowing myself to basically just eat ad libitum almost. And obviously, bear in mind it was through kind of October to December, which kind of those festive seasons are obviously particularly fruitful in the calorie, <laughs> calorie i did go i did put on something like, i don't know about 25 pounds in those i don't know where i start but basically two and a half odd months so obviously i got quite a bit over what i would consider my uh set point probably set point although the kind of the part of the experiment was to kind of almost determine what my set point might be um so it's interesting anyway but i got to that point in january where i was like yeah i'm uh, i'm a fat twat right now at like 200 pounds so i was like mm, okay this is uh this is fun so i then went on a bit like you really on a steady diet from kind of mid-january to uh april maybe april had a six-week diet break which was planned um just to kind of go at maintenance ish which held through quite nicely and then i started dieting again um for basically the reason for that diet was for uh johnny one of the other coaches his wedding was supposed to be in cos and then now with coronavirus that has been delayed i've got no reason to diet any longer but anyway that was a long-winded story to, to kind of get to the question around <laughs> do, do you like is part of the reason you feel shredded is because you've kind of got part of the way there now and you just got this i've i've got this kind of weird feeling in my head like i just want to see how lean i can get like really yeah. see, before it gets really hard like because at yeah. the minute i am finding it relatively easy and part of that is because Obviously, I'm um, experienced at dieting. I have the nutrition knowledge and background. Um, I have the habits and behaviors in place from many, many, many years of doing this, um, which obviously other people don't have necessarily. Like some of the people listening might not have, but I, that's why I find it easy. So, like you said earlier, like dieting's a piece of piss. Like when you're in that position, it is quite easy. Yeah. Um, obviously, not everyone's in that position. So, a lot of people will, will probably think it's not easy at all. What are they talking about? Well, you know, the, certain things. Have to I think, be yeah, like you it. say, when you when you've touched on having, you know, I have competed as a as a natural bodybuilder 
with eating seven foods, not really counting macros and being a clean eating bro, eating six times a day. When you've gone through that sort of dieting and that sort of, you know, 40 minutes of cardio every single day and all this bullshit stuff that is not <laughs> not mm. needed whatsoever. I think when you actually diet properly and, and you follow the actual principles that are laid out for fat loss, I do think the experience is much easier. Yeah, um, for sure. And I think... I think for me this time around, having the accountability of Instagram, like it's really funny because like the other day I put on, um, I have bread every day and try and run a hashtag of make bread great again. Um, and I, I eat the Danish, the white Danish toast and we'd ran out. So my parents, I live at home with parents currently because I'm home. I should be traveling. Um, they had like a seeded loaf so i i had two slices of that instead and put a, a cow belly pitch on my instagram and i had like three messages saying where's your white danish i'm like holy shit like i literally can't do anything now because everyone knows what i eat yeah and in a way having that level of accountability whether it is through setting up an instagram page and and, and you know building a support network through that or having a coach i think makes the process 10 times easier yeah for 10 sure. times easier yeah for sure that's just one of those strands of that set of things that what you you know again go back to that comment of diet make dieting a piece of piece or, or however you want to describe yeah. it um but i think like as a just kind of the original question around like i, I want to see feel how lean i can get really and I, I almost feel a little bit like if i stopped now i would not regret it because obviously i guess like for my longer to bear in mind i've got no reason to kind of get any leaner other than pure vanity and kind of cha- a challenge I suppose mm. there's then I probably should be thinking longer term and think well actually I'd be better off kind of going into a surplus and and building trying to build some muscle again because I've got no gains so I've got to try somehow. <laughs> um, but I just wonder whether you're if there's something in your head that's thinking something similar like you kind of you've been dieting you're dieting again now after that, that break and thinking oh you know how how far would I push it or not so that's just kind of why I asked like if you if you knew what body weight or what kind of level of leanness you'd want to get to. Yeah, I think for me. I kind of feel like this time around I can get really lean. Do you know, like the lean where people look at you and go, oh, it's too much. It's yes. too much, that is. Oh, I want to get to that level of lean. Um, I ju- I ju- this is going to sound really bad, but you mentioned vanity. Just be- I just because I can. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, for no other reason than, than I probably can. I get you. <laughs> um, and that might sound really vain, but I spent the whole of last year and a little bit before that, completely out of shape and not feeling great about myself. So, but I've also, I've never really had like mega lean legs. Never really had like, I've had like, I would like striated quads. That's, that's in my head, but that's, I think a long way and a lot deeper than I'm willing to go. Mm. Now there lies the conundrum. Cause I think that's, yeah. that's, that's my conundrum in that I would like to get as lean as I can without it getting to a point where I really think this sucks, which inevitably it probably will before I'll, uh, yeah, before I get as lean as I, I kind of imagine. Also, I just, for me, I just want to test because, because I've never really actively dieted with the knowledge that I have now. I want to test. I just want to want to be a guinea pig for myself. And mm. when I get to like, like I'm at a point now where, I'm probably going to have to make some sort of change, whether that be up in my steps or reducing my cal intake. How how does the how do I react? 
because I've done it with clients, I've done it with you know tens and tens of clients. But how do, how do I react to those changes? What what happens when I apply those principles and those rules to myself? Um, so yeah, we'll just we'll just see how it goes. We'll just I'll keep you updated. <laughs> wow. But also, I think for me, like if I can go through till November, like my twelve months, like this is what I did in, in a twelve months progress. If I can make that picture as best as I possibly can then I'm going to feel like I've achieved something. Yeah. Oh, for sure. For sure. I think that, I mean, that's kind of why I followed the vanity comment with challenge. Cause I do think as much as people might see that challenge as very vain, I still do think it's a challenge. I think to put yourself through kind of the requirements, the mental stress and the fortitude required to do it is, is something like, well, I, I, I've not, I've not competed. So I can't say that I understand where you went in, you know, or, or where you went in that kind of, um, well, just where you went when you were dieting in that point. But I've dieted for a photo shoot a couple of years ago and got reasonably lean, lean enough for a photo shoot anyway. And it was there was points where it was pretty hard, but I, I kind of want to get to a point where I push it that little bit further and see how far I can go just purely for that challenge aspect, just to see. Yeah, I would also like to think, I mean, I competed eight years ago now, so I would like to think that the, the human that I am today is far greater than the human i was eight years ago so can i handle what i did back then better than what i did back then and if i can't then it's, it's not really much sign of growth or that it is just really difficult <laughs> yeah or, so or, it's kind of like a comparison yeah or you were just a, a young fearless stallion that <laughs> just got shit done <laughs> yeah maybe a young fearless stallion that got sacked from a few jobs to try and compete in bodybuilding <laughs> and that, that led nowhere <laughs> I, I hope I hope you didn't get sapped because you were competing. All that could easily be possible because obviously you get to you get to zombie. Life. Know, a, a funny story. So only if I think you win the share. Two weeks, two weeks before I started, before my first show of the year, um, I started a job in Asda. I was only young, and they put me on the bakery, which was like fucking torture. Oh, wow. So I was working morning shift. It was like fresh bread and pancakes being made and cookies and. All sorts of stuff. As, and the, I, as the pancakes, are, like bakery pancakes, the American style pancakes, there are the tits as well. They're, they're, the so smell good. in the back room is like unreal. So I started there. And to be fair, I did really well. Um, stuck, stuck to what I needed to stick to. Like self control was good. Da, 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 da. And then post post show, I was due to go to the British finals, but then ended up didn't go in because I was like this enough breaking point I'm finished and I nearly got sacked for eating burnt cookies out of the back of Asda <laughs> <laughs> because I smelt them and I was like they taste so fucking good oh they smell so good sorry so I tried one thinking they were burnt I was only new thinking they're only going to go in the bin and then I remember the security guard come in and he was like have you got your walkie-talkie or got something that you wanted and I like replied with a mouthful of food and he was like what are you eating I was like Oh, just the burnt cookies. And he ended up reporting me and, uh, yeah, nearly, I very, very nearly got sacked oh. because they have to the waste of, of, of that. But I think I did, I did lie. And I think I had about, I think I had about a nine. Obviously lied and I said I only had one. <laughs> wow. I, I think burnt, it's so annoying. Yeah. Just give a brother a break. Do you not realize what it takes to get to this point? Yeah, you know hormones are just they, they literally out of the way them and put them in the bin. So it's like surely I'm doing the world a favour. Yeah, by well, eating these, but obviously not. You could surely you could have just well if if you'd have known, but surely you could have just wrote something down on some form of waste 
cheat or chart or whatever they're doing to account yeah. for the waste and then eat the fuck afterwards. I think it afterwards. would be totally fine if we had accounted for it, but because I didn't account for it and then also got caught by security, I think that was the yeah. that was the issue. Se- seems like an extreme uh, response to me, but however. Um, <laughs> I didn't get sacked, so that's the main thing. That is the main thing. Um, although you're, you're no longer working at Asda, so it obviously didn't work out that well. Yeah. <laughs> it didn't work out, exactly. <laughs> so it, obviously in terms of what you want to lose then, um, we've spoken about this before, but what um i don't know how to really kind of segue this in without being really blunt but okay let's talk about kind of people's expectations of how much weight they 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 kind of want to or expect to lose compared to what they then expect to look like what what are your kind of thoughts yeah 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 i think people don't realize again probably just being a little bit blunt how fat they are Mm -hmm. i think um i think people expect to lose you know, 10 to 15 pounds and look like a completely different person or, or, or look lean and shredded enough that, Oh, I was only carrying a little bit of baby weight. Where in, in most cases, it's probably double what they think they need to lose. Mm-hmm. Um, if not more, I think. And also I think that the rate of loss is something that people always just massively underestimate. I think people expect, even though, you know, you can show like the nonlinear graphs, you can show all that shit and you can, you can tell people that 0.5 to 1% of total body weight is probably about right. They still expect to lose two to three pounds every single week. Mm-hmm. And I just think that, I don't, I don't know. I don't, I just, but then I guess you get the rare, the rare person that's just like, yeah, I'm just in this for the long run. Mm-hmm. I don't care what, what happens, what, what goes with it. But I think the sooner that that clicks, and I think this, I think one of the biggest problems, especially when I was coaching women, is expectations are just far too high, far, far too high. Um, and the reality of, of fat loss and weight loss is that, one, it's going to take much longer than you think. Two, it shouldn't be as hard as what you probably are trying. Therefore, something you're doing is wrong as horrible as that sounds that's just like the classic like i'm only eating 1200 calories a day yeah. so you're not though are you um and also yeah just like the like we just touched on like the process and stuff i think people look too much at numbers and, and what's actually expected and it's just it just doesn't work as easily as they think yeah i get that i, I completely understand certainly align with the thought of the amount of weight people tend to feel they need to to lose is nowhere near accurate enough um i think it's one of the benefits of, of hiring coaches really that have some experience in in kind of weight loss if you know a weight loss coach just purely they'll have a, a reasonable idea and just looking at you they should do anyway um of of kind of aligning your expectations as how much weight you you, you possibly need to lose therefore you're kind mm-hmm. of open and upfront about it and you shouldn't be then disappointed so much down the line which totally. we've all been um and i joked to you said like I, I lost something like twenty five pounds for a photo shoot. Thought, hmm, could probably do another at least another twenty. <laughs> I thought I'd be shredded at one hundred and seventy, but nope. Mate, when I when I first started competing, I was like, I think I got up to like two ten at like nineteen, so I was like quite a big boy, and I competed at one seventy two. <laughs> yeah, I got down to like one eighty five, and I was like, oh shit, okay, I've lost uh, lost twenty five pounds. And I uh, probably got another another ten to lose, yeah. and then lost that ten and thought I've probably still got another ten to lose, but didn't have enough time to lose it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's, exa- it's exactly that. And I think it's it's funny how often that happens with people. It, it's not funny, but you know what I mean. It's just like. It's... Do, do you think though that it, it's the opposite way around? I, I often find that 
men underestimate and women set unrealistic expectations. So I feel like men always think that, you know, 10, 10 to 12 pounds is probably enough to get them shredded, like 6% body fat, lol. Um, and then women are always like, yeah, I need to lose, you know, 40 pounds in the next three months. It's like, <laughs> like, let's chop a leg off. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think, I mean, certainly, I guess it, it, that naturally goes in line with maybe some of the people you, you might work with in whether you're working with your, your gym bros that are, you know, what, like you say, want to now suddenly reveal the abs after they've been working out and put on a little bit of extra weight. Um, you, you, the type of women that we certainly work with are very much your general population women in the 30 to 45 bracket, probably people like you said before, actually, for your, when you're, your old, your old target market that type of people that maybe a lot of the slimming world weight watcher type diets and they've been got going on yo-yo in between those diets and periods for so long um they do have kind of these high expectations of what they're doing because they've managed to achieve a lot of weight loss before but just can't keep it off i think that's certainly the the, the, the issues that i see with a lot of women the type of people in our audience that we work with here um but yeah, I, the, the guys are just the, the funniest because, like, like you've said, yeah, yeah, ten pounds and yeah, I'm gonna be absolutely shredded. And it's like, I'll be honest, mate, I'm gonna guess you're about at least twenty five percent body fat right now, not fifteen like you think you are, and that ten pounds is not gonna get you to six percent shredded. It's not happening. Also, I also think men predict their muscle mass to be much greater than what it actually is as well. I don't. <laughs> I I certainly don't. I look at myself and think, shit, I could do with another 10 pounds of muscle. That's never going to happen now because I've passed the potential of building anything new, any new tissue. Yeah. 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 True. I mean, it's, it's hard. I think it's hard within the industry as well, because a lot of the people that you see within the industry, unless you're opening yourself up to kind of new audiences, a lot of the people you see are a bit more clued up maybe and, and kind of, you know, they listen to the, to the same people as probably we do, some of the same experts within the industry, and maybe you've got a bit more of an idea of what's realistic and what's not. But certainly when you speak to like your mate down the road kind of thing, like their expectations are really different. I think I think topping top on to that as well, tipping on to that, is that people's percentages of and perceived like perceptions of body fat is also completely skewed. Like some people will see me now and be like, oh, you must be like 6% body fat. I'm like, no, probably about 11 or 12. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, no, no, you definitely, you definitely look, you definitely low. Did you hear, did you see the Ronnie Coleman and Joe Rogan podcast the other day? No, I'm uh, about 30 behind. So it's going to be, so that's about 90 I love hours Ronnie Coleman. Yeah, I love Ronnie Coleman. I've always been a big fan of, of Ronnie and, and what he's achieved. But he told Joe that he was uh, 0.3% body fat. <laughs> what, currently? I was like, or- I was like, while, what? while he was on dead. stage, <laughs> yeah, yeah, while he was on stage, like, what? So you were dead. <laughs> yeah, not, well, I don't know. Maybe, 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 maybe anabolics or uh, performance-enhancing drugs do that type of thing. I, I don't know. Not yeah, but sure, like, surely, like, I, I uh, no, I'm just, no, I'm going to I would say probably five or six percent was probably likely. Yeah. The thing is, though, like I suppose we say five or six percent. What I probably would say, just playing devil's advocate slightly, and I'm not saying he's, he's obviously 0.3 percent because I would say physiologically you've got to be dead to not, not, as in you would die if you got to that low body fat. Um, but when you're so ginormous, 
as a percentage of your body there maybe the amount of body fat that you do hold probably is quite a bit, yeah, a bit lower when you think about it just as a percentage but yeah i'd I mean, never considered that actually not 0.3 though i'll be honest <laughs> yeah, i don't, well, I don't what, think it'd be measurable how do you measure that yeah exactly uh, so he was like 300 pounds on stage what he had a pound of fat <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah come on roddy yeah this I, is the same guy that now run rubs like transdermal stuff on his stomach <laughs> oh, right, <laughs> it's like this will yeah. get you abs it's like come on Roddy. <laughs> i tell you one thing though he doesn't half make a bad protein bar i don't know if you ever had really? one yeah there's a he's got his own brand of protein bars i'm sure he doesn't make them himself i, I doubt he sits in his kitchen <laughs> them up. but still um... <laughs> Can you imagine doing that? What a guy. <laughs> they're quite tasty though all right i do like a good protein bar yeah <laughs> um I think I think we're I don't I think we're at kind of the we're on hour nearly now so um, I don't know if there's anything more in terms of diets that you wanted to to touch on if there's anything more that you think's I don't really know what's what's helpful because I feel like I feel like the the, the problem with the evidence based stuff is that it's just not sexy is it you know it's just not it's not something that's appealing and I, I think I, I was reading a post yesterday by uh, Harry Ransom and. Is being don't be an asshole. So don't ask something and not actually take action. What it is that you're asking, or don't actually change, mm-hmm. you know, your opinion or whatever off, off the question that you've asked. And I think one of the comments touched on something is like people, people will ask questions, and you know they could ask you something and you could say, yeah, you need to do, um, you need to track your calories, you need to do steps, and you need to just give yourself 26 weeks of dieting. Uh, you know, roughly half pound to pound a week. That'll be in. You know, you you get in decent shape doing that. And then they could ask me the same question, and I could say, "Yeah, you need to do fasted cardio, and you need to do thirty minutes of abs before bed every single night." And if that's the belief that they have, they're going to believe that, and they're going to take action on what I've said, not what you've said. And I think that's that's always something that I always think is such a shame that people will only go with their bias and not really change their thinking yet their thinking and their bias has only gotten to a certain point of probably going in circles for the last however long. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the unfortunate thing that we've got as, as the coaches that we are is that our stuff is just not sexy. It's yeah. just not, it's not mega appealing. Is it? You know, if I say, if someone says I can get you in shape in six weeks versus me and you saying, yeah, it's probably going to take six to nine months to get you in really good shape. We're always going to go with the six week person, aren't we? But I think when when that switch happens, I've got a few clients now that have, you know, that switch has kind of flicked over. It's like, holy shit, you know, I'm going to be in, in incredible shape in six months and I'm going to live a completely different life because I finally realized that chasing this, you know, this short term thing is not actually helping me whatsoever. Yeah. You, you said about not. I don't know what's useful for people, but I do think obviously the fact that we've really reiterated the, the, the kind of the process orientated drivers that people should be focusing on is, is key and important. And I think it's like the easiest way I can kind of describe it and what I ha- how I've described it with people before is if you're kind of focusing on ticking boxes off each day, you know, a phrase that we often use, you can't really go wrong because you're just ticking boxes off and you'd relatively, you know, I don't know if you've read any like James Clear stuff like Atomic Habits or you know yeah, of that, that sort of stuff but obviously yeah. he talks about setting skulls so small that you basically can't fail them and you kind of like it's a not quite the same stretch but you know like doing your steps tracking your calories they are pretty simple and if you do them you just tick them off daily you're, you're a success every single day the problem is if you yeah. then if you do, do it the other way that we've talked about in terms of goal oriented stuff you kind of often people's goals are so far away in the future they can't 
succeed because then yeah. you know they, they they can't get there and they will inevitably give up or fail a bit like your your picture analogy of the the digging for the goal they'll give up before yeah. they get to that point so this is why i think it is so important to reiterate and you know a lot of the i think the benefit people will get from the conversations that we've had today will be right just focusing on those processes make those processes your goal so you succeed every single day and one of your posts you put up i think was like x in the calendar was it or something like that or yeah yeah so that's that's stolen from james clear so just putting up x's instead of zeros i think that's that's for me is like it's like a two-way thing isn't it yeah, one like ex- ex- explain it yeah explain it before you go on just because people may not know what the x and zeros are so just explain what that concept is before you then yeah so not putting up a zero is basically is not not doing the thing that you said you would yeah. do so if, if you've got a few goals that you want to achieve like the the things that i say to do weekly track calories do ten thousand steps do some shrimp training eat your protein and get some sleep <clears throat> um putting an x up is saying it's crossing it off it's doing it you've done it for the day you don't have to worry about it um whereas it was put up as zero it means that you didn't do it and i think it's a two-way sword in 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 that in that way in that it's motivating because putting the x in the box all of a sudden, after five days, you've got a string of five X's. And then it's it's then it almost, I think this is really helpful for a lot of people because then it's, it's not breaking that streak. Mm-hmm. You know, I've, I've, I actually use this. I, they're not going to be able to see this, but I'm going to show you it. I use marbles in a jar. Yeah. So I really enjoy writing and I try and write every single day. And basically a marble goes from one jar into the next jar when I've written. Um, so that's basically putting up an X. So once that marble is in that jar, I don't have to worry about it for the rest of the day. But then every time I look at that jar, if the marble hasn't moved across in a day, I know that I need to do it. And if anything, you know, I've, I've recently reset that, which is why there's no none in one jar. But when you get so close to the end, it's like, well, I need, I need to just do it. Even if it's only 10 minutes, mm-hmm. it's better than nothing because it will keep the consistency and keep the streak. Um, and then that in itself is almost like accountability and a bit of a push, a bit of a kick up the arse because mm-hmm. it's like, I need to keep this going. Yeah, I don't. There's, there's something weird in in human psyche or psychology of of not wanting to break streets. That almost OCD type behaviour. That I'm not yeah. saying it's OCD, but that kind of thing where we all like streaks. Like, and I've yeah. used it with calendars before, where I've just said I've I've like put put a, a check in a calendar when you've done something. And it is amazingly motivating and powerful for people where they just don't want to have a day where they haven't got one because they didn't do the action or whatever they're supposed to do that day. And I don't know why that is because I'm not smart enough to know, but it is. It no, is, me neither. It is interesting. But I think, I think visually do. like that is huge, isn't it? It's like yeah. having something up on a wall where it's visible and you can see it. And, you know, especially a calendar based thing is, is huge. Um, but also then it goes back to something that you said about setting your goals so small that you can actually achieve it. It's, you know, putting that X up is not fucking lifting 300 kilos every single day you know it's 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 just doing a session whether that be you go into the gym and you do three sets of pull-ups and you do three sets of bench press and you, you leave the gym you, you worked out today even though it wasn't the most productive of sessions you worked out and that's fine you know it's not about being perfect it's literally about being consistent mm-hmm. i think when people switch to that way of thinking like like, like for me so like, well, i did initially sign up to a gym for like 12 days and for me if i haven't got gym there's no point in me working out all the previous me was was that um and i did a few bodyweight workouts granted outside in a pool in a beautiful sunny weather um they weren't great sessions but they were enough se- they were enough to quantify and qualify as a workout and as something that is better than nothing and i think that's sometimes overlooked in that you know if you do nothing you can't progress whereas if you just do something 
Like I'd rather you do 1,000 steps than no steps whatsoever. I mean, ideally we'd do 10K, but if you're not quite there yet, then just slowly build it up. Yeah, for sure. Um, I think that's a good way to end on that message of consistency. I think people just need to focus on the consistency element and not perfection because as we all know, it's better to be consistently imperfect. No, that's probably not the best way to describe it. Consistently good <laughs> rather than inconsistently perfect. Totally. <laughs> Don't be consistently... Well, you can be consistently imperfect. It may not achieve what you wanted to achieve. <laughs> it might actually take it down a different rabbit hole. <laughs> oh, dear. Um, thank you, mate. It's been a uh, good chat, I think. I think it's hopefully... Yeah, really good chat. I've enjoyed it. I hope it's been valuable to the people that, that are listening. Yeah, I'm sure it is. And it's nice to have a different um, aspect on stuff than the, the tribe that I spout most weeks. So... Um, <laughs> Before you go, though, because we do yep. like to have a little bit of fun and not just make it all about fitness or nutrition or uh, training or whatever, we usually have a few random questions just to ask, okay. just for a bit of fun. Ready? So yep. question number one, favorite burger joint you've ever been to? Oh, God. Um, what are we talking, like independent burger house? Anything you like. See, I'm a sucker for a five, guys. It's like you've been prepped. He's, he's looking at me thinking. You know you're looking at me thinking like, is he happy or unhappy with that answer? Yeah, I don't know where. I don't know where. I don't know where, don't know where to leave. From this. <laughs> no. I, I'm, I'm in for a five, guys. But, um, I don't mind. There was a burger place. <laughs> there's this, there's a really weird burger place in South Africa. I went there one night, and uh, I was I was with a girl, and uh, this this barmaid. They were like, do you, do you know those weird places where? She called me a bitch, basically. She was like, hey, bitch. I was like, Feisty. like where the fuck am I? She's like, go and write your name on that board now, bitch. I'm like, so I had to write my own stuff. I had to take my own order. And then when the food came out, she was like shouting fucking all shit at me. But it was an amazing burger. I'm not kidding. I've got a picture of it somewhere. I'll have to send it. And the burger was like literally this big. And normally when like quantity is, is the main goal, the quality is shit. But yeah. this burger was incredible. Wow. I can't. The name of the place was called. Yeah, so let, let me know. I've got over five guys. <laughs> yeah, let, let me know because Josh would probably be interested in that. You might even know it. Um, although I think, I don't know, we're about to see space actually, but not that it was, So if he's in Cape Town, it was, okay. he's probably been to it because I, I don't think there's that many burger joints. No. Um, five guys, just, it was a, I got trolled ages ago by, um, uh, by well, Dan Meek and uh, Tom Hall used to just go on about how they used to love Five Guys, and I still don't know if they're telling the truth. But they went on about it for ages, saying that they that was like the best burger joint. And I kept arguing, saying no fucking way is it not. I'm don't wrong. I like a Five Guys. I think it's all right. There are way better burger places in in the UK than than Five Guys. And um, we're in North Wales, so we don't really have no like. I see, and well, I don't live in a city, and I don't live anywhere. I mean, the closest place to me is Liverpool. So there's some good places in Liverpool, though. Almost, almost famous. I, say, I had an almost famous burger, and I was fine, but I was let down with the chips and all the shit on the chips. Like, just give me normal chips. Wow. Okay. But anyway, this this trolling went on for weeks, and um, I found afterwards apparently it was just all one big hoax about against me, and I didn't know. I thought they were just like being serious, and I felt. <laughs> A bit silly afterwards because I was like, I genuinely thought they were they were being serious, and they kept it on for weeks and weeks and weeks. So they said they were just joking, but I was like, okay. So now I've got a bit of a touchy thing about Five Guys. So hence the when you said Five Guys, the answer I was like, ah, oh, fuck's sake. But anyway, okay. Question number two: If you were to build a house out of an item of food, what would it be? 
out of an item of food, pretzels. Pretzels? Yeah. Quick. Explain. Be a very ventilated house. <laughs> <laughs> Plus, I, like, I really like pretzels, so I think, yeah, you could eat your own house, I guess. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I was going to go with sausages, but I think it's a bit greasy, isn't it? I mean, it's not going to be the most aesthetically pleasing if you've got a house made out of sausages. Yeah, well, I like how you've thought about it from an engineering Actually, perspective. I'd just, I'd, I'd go bread. I'd build a house out of bread. bread. Go stale, There's many quick. ways that you could build a house go, out of bread. Go stale quick, though. It, it would, but well, that's good, surely, isn't it? Because then it's it's more secure. Yeah, I suppose so. We did have someone say wet pasta once. Wet pasta, wow. I was like, mm, not sure that works, Jesus. but okay. Yeah. Yeah, how the fuck is that going to stay up? I don't know. Um, okay. He obviously didn't think of engineering. <laughs> no. Question number three. Uh, what is the weirdest thing you've found in someone else's house? The weirdest thing I've found in someone else's house? I can't say that I go looking in other people's houses. You don't have to be actively looking. Nothing too weird then by the sounds of it. So uh, I tell you what, I have found in someone's house, or I stayed in a nudist's house by accident once. Oh, right. Interesting. Um, that was interesting. And he purposely changed the... Um, it was in America when I cycled across America. He purposely changed the um, the placemats in the morning for breakfast, and one of the placemats said, we'll make breakfast for blowjobs. And he was a 68-year-old man. I don't really know how to respond to that. If I'm <laughs> being totally frank, you weren't expecting that, were you? No. So um, that was a that was a experience. Yeah, and I'm thinking to myself, if I was in that situation, I don't know what I'd do. Well, I ate breakfast. That's that's all I'm saying. Yeah. Well, it sounds like it's not all you ate. <laughs> do you know what I said about building a house out of sausages? Maybe his was built out of sausages. <laughs> Oh dear. Uh, okay. This is this is this is the final question before we uh, okay. we, we get I'll take it more seriously. Yeah. Before, this is the serious question actually. Um, so, would you um, would you rather be attacked by uh, one horse sized duck or a thousand duck sized horses? Yeah. See, I kind of had a feeling that it was going to be a question on the similar tone as this. Um, you, so, I'm actually scared of horses. So, I I would fight the giant duck. A giant duck. Yeah. yeah, I'd have a giant duck. I reckon. Duck Lorange. His it's <laughs> neck's quite slim, isn't it? Uh, well, I mean, relatively. I mean, I guess if a duck's the size of a horse, his neck's still going to be bigger than yours. Yeah, but it's still going to be. Yeah, I'd have it. I would choke him out. Duck, uh, the thing is, got bit uh, by a horse when I was younger, so I'm not facing a hundred of them. No, very little though. When I say, yeah, but it's still horses, aren't they? I mean, your your brain still says, regardless whether it's smaller. He's actually a small horse that bit me as well. All right. So even more scary. Yeah, a little Shetland bit me right in the firm it was. And I'm 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 fairly certain we've got a picture of me like moving away from him because my nana and granddad were taking a picture of me stood next to it at the time. I I, I was about to say, I hope that went to UB Frame, but I think they needed videos, didn't they? But never mind. Yeah, I was going to say. It wasn't a video. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, yeah, that's well. There isn't a right or wrong answer, so you know, he's the really. Most people, I think, I I personally think the right answer is the duck because I just think a um, hundred duck-sized horses, despite them only being duck-sized horses, are still quite powerful, muscular, and I imagine 
try and defend off a hundred of them is futile. Hey, a hundred is so many. Yeah. So I think you could probably at least run away from a giant duck. I'd be more scared if it's a giant goose. Like geese and motherfuckers. Like yeah, vicious, angry. Yeah. I think I'd be more scared if it's a if it was a goose, but We I had think... some goose eggs in the house the other day, actually. They were very impressively sized. Were they? Hmm. I must say, yeah. I hope they were also impressively high in protein for the gains. Yeah, they were like I think they were they were two hundred and twenty grams an egg. Wow. So they were they were big boys. I can't actually tell you how much an average egg is. 50, 60 grams? Medium, yeah, medium egg's about 50 grams, I think. That's pure guess. I can't say I've ever weighed an egg, I don't think. Yeah. I've not got, got yeah, that. I only know egg. because I weighed the goose egg and I was like, oh, I wonder what. And I guessed 50 or 60 grams like you did. And uh, yeah, they're about, about 50 grams. Obviously, depending on the size of the eggs you get sure. and where you get them from. Yeah, I'm sure it does. <laughs> um, thank you, mate. That's been really good. Uh, I've enjoyed it. Do you want to shout out um, your Instagram, um, your either Facebook or whatever you basically want people to know if they want to find out more, follow you or whatever? Yeah, you could just follow me on Instagram at Lou Briley. So it's L-O-U-B-R-I-E-R-L-E-Y. There's not, a lot of content on there at the moment. Not really. Not really then, though. Not really like Greg said at the start. <laughs> hey, touche. Go out, son. <laughs> uh, yeah, Instagram's probably your best bet. Um, kind of switching out content recently. And if you follow me in the next couple of weeks, then you'll see maybe the back end of the mini cut, depending on when this is when this is coming out. So you'll see the process. This should go out tomorrow. Similar to, to what you're doing as well. Yeah, this should go out tomorrow. So um, obviously those listening, it'll be today. <laughs> it'll be the 15th of June. So... You're back. You're a little freeze there, mate. Hello. Yeah, you're back. Um, mate, it's the Welsh Wi-Fi. It's so bad. Well, I think the Welsh, many things. Johnny's Welsh, so I can joke about the Welsh. Um, John, although Johnny South Wales, he's he's uh, Port Talbot Neath way rather than... Yeah, I mean, so he's the inferior Welsh people. Yeah. It's fine. Inferior everything, Johnny. He won't mind yeah. saying that. Like I said, he makes bog roll for a living, so... <laughs> on the side of hey thinking. that's you know that's one of the one of the most staple jobs at the moment that's you know big bug roll makers I did say that I did say he's obviously um, I mean, feeding he's, the he's nation finally coming to his own yeah <laughs> come into his own good man cool right thank you mate again um, and obviously uh, we'll, we'll, we'll do this again at some point I think be, it's a good chat well, I'm sure we'll have some fun and find another topic to, to rant about yeah I'd like that it's good thanks for the talk yeah. mate no worries I'll speak to you soon See you, bro. Thanks for listening to the No Nonsense Nutrition Podcast. We'll speak to you all next week.